0: Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. Uh,
1: Rocky, I think you were dead on there. You, nobody can, nobody knows everything. And the sooner you realize that you can't do everything, and the sooner that you realize you need help, the much better off you'll be.
2: Patrick, I've been in business for 42 years. I've had my shop for 33 years. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I've been involved in this association and industry quite a bit. I've been really deeply in, involved in it. And I can tell you for a fact that I know nothing. <laughs> I, I don't even, can't even <laughs> scratch the surface out of it. I'll be the first one to tell you. And, I mean, not, not, rocky. and not only that though, Patrick, not only that, when, as the times go by, it changes, things change constantly, right? So if, if you tell me that you own your business for 30 years, nowadays that doesn't mean anything anymore. No, nope. what it, what means is how are you handling it now? How have you been doing for the last six months? And what are you going to be doing for next six after six months from now? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to change change the um, you know go with the changes? Yeah, those are the questions that we need to be asking. The ones that are actually you know in that realm.
0: We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge. Today, we're on episode 76. Uh, I want to remind those of you who are watching or listening to this, go ahead and like this video or this podcast, share it on your page, Uh, follow us for more when we post just to keep you guys up to date on new content because we're always putting out new content. Today's episode is on increasing increasing productivity in your shop. Uh, our panelists include Patrick Greedman from Grove Street Auto Repair and Rocky Cominion from Beamer and Benz Specialists. And of course, myself and my dad. And reminder that you guys can comment down below any questions or comments you might have on today's topic. We'd love to have some engagement from you. Uh, and if you are commenting we're watching those so that we can get them answered during this whole show. So, with that said, let's get into it. The first question I have is let's for one dad why why are we talking about productivity today?
3: The average productivity. So, first of all, I think we have to define what we're talking about when we talk about productivity because there's multiple definitions out there depending on who you're talking to. So for my purposes, productivity is the number of build hours that a technician does in a day. So if I pay somebody for eight hours today, do they do do eight hours that I can bill to a customer? That's 100% productivity in my book. Now, some people call that efficiency, but what I call efficiency is when you're working on the car, how efficient are you? If you're on the car for two hours, you don't go off the car, you don't take a bathroom break. You don't go on the phone. How many hours can you produce when you're in the car? In order to be 100% productive, you have to be more than 100% efficient uh, in, your, in your business. Now, when you look at productivity, the reason that this is important is because your labor, what you pay for your labor, and, and today... That is going up and up and up with the shortage of technicians, uh, the technicians that are good, that that know they're good, want more money. Um, it's co- it, The costs are going up. Let's say I pay a technician $30 an hour uh, and uh, my effective labor rate is 100, just because it's a nice round number. Um, when I I have a load on that technician, FICA, FUTA, workers comp, vacation, et cetera, in most places, that's about 30%. So I'm actually paying $39 an hour. Well, if I pay that guy $39 an hour and he only produces four hours today that I can sell, the actual cost of that to me was $78 an hour. Uh, so I paid $78 for the hour and then I sold it for $100 and I only made the difference, which is $22 instead of making, what is it, $61 because of that additional cost because he did, he wasn't productive. Now, the average productivity in the industry is 72%. At least it was the last time I checked the number from numbers that I feel are legitimate. Which means that typical shop is probably if they're paying somebody $30 an hour for that hour plus the $9 load, they're probably paying somewhere around $48 to $52 an hour based on the productivity and they're losing that extra $10, $12, $15 an hour. And so they don't have labor margin. And if you don't have labor margin, you don't have gross profit margin. And if you don't have gross profit margin, you don't have enough dollars to pay your bills. So long-winded thing, but I think you have to really define it before you go into it. Um, The shops that I have run uh, run at about 120% productivity, meaning my guys do about 9.8 hours a day and actually get that done that I can build the customers because they're very efficient at what they do.
2: Also, uh, Cecil, if I can jump in there for a second. So I think that there's also a longevity issue uh, with uh, all those numbers that you mentioned. Um, We really have to look into how long is it going to take to sustain certain numbers? um and how um how uh, tired are the technicians and the workers are gonna get if you continue with it so there's a lot of other portions of this productivity that we also need to be talking about for the for the longevity of it and in order to be not to create um you know uh, an issue with it with a technician that they were just working too hard and too much and too long. And they're going to go, I can't do it anymore. I got to go. So all of a sudden your productivity just collapses. And so there's lots of other things that we really need to look at in a, in a large horizontal type uh conversation. Thank you. I,
3: th- I think, I think we have to be really smart about how we bill out hours. And I, I always say you can make more with a pencil than you can with a wrench. So most of the shops that I'm working with have some kind of a labor multiplier. Um, I would tell you that's to uh, pay for the things that we don't really charge the customer for, the test drive, the paperwork, et cetera. But another thing is really to help get that productivity up uh, so we don't wear our technicians out. You know, um, they. Uh, I believe a technician can be 120 percent productive if the shop runs well, if the parts are there, if we're billing out the appropriate amount of time for the jobs. Uh, I think we can run at the, at that pace. I did it in my shop for six years, and we didn't burn out technicians. Um, I think I think you have to think about that as part of your business. I mean, and I would tell you that. Most of the time, technicians are not productive, not because they don't want to be or they're not able, but they're not able because the shop process is messed up. You know, it takes too long to get cars in. It takes too long to get parts. We get the wrong parts. You know, the, the
2: flow is bad. So I think that you're talking about the car, co- oh, I apologize. Patrick. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to ask you, Rocky, if you have experienced that burnout. Have
2: your techs burned out? Um, personally, no, but I know a lot of shops that have, um, I'm a past president of ASCCA and I, I know quite a bit of many, many shops, uh, in, in, you know, in person, but yeah, uh, I, I've
3: seen it, but do you think it's more about putting pressure on technicians when the shop doesn't run right? So you're you're kind of demanding this productivity, but you're not fixing dispatch. You're not fixing
0: scheduling. You're not fixing pricing. That's and, that's what I was going to ask. That if it creates that pressure, if it's more of an emotional thing, where there's you're giving them this goal that they can't quite hit, and they don't have any control over whether or not they're getting that goal done. Patrick, do you do you have a comment on that? Well.
1: I think as owners, it's on us to uh to give them all the tools to to be able to produce and be efficient and increase their productivity. Um, I mean, you've got to you, you can't just throw somebody in the bay and give them a goal and then not help them get reach that goal. That doesn't help, and that doesn't help morale at all. They're not gonna like that. The guys next to them, they're all gonna bitch and moan about the same thing.
2: So you- I think Patrick is talking about. The support system that you have to provide in order for the technician to be able to be productive, right?
1: For sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's you know you have to have the parts guy. You have to have the uh, the person that cleans after him constantly, gets everything organized constantly. The service writer is feeding him the right information. And you know, so all of that is is just one big package.
0: What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like Gear provides the training you've been looking for at only 129 a month for help with improving your business head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today
3: there there are multiple factors to having productivity in your business i mean i think that most shop owners <clears throat> excuse me look at do i have enough cars in my shop and they don't look at are we selling the job at the right amount of time? Are we supplying the parts at a, in, a, in a reasonable time? Are we getting authorizations in a reasonable time? You know, do we have the tools? Uh, does my technician have the tools they need? And I think you said something kind of important, Rocky, and that is the information that the technician is supplied with, do they get good information, you know, from the service advisor? Are they, you know, barking, up the wrong tree because the service advisor hasn't given them a good description about what they need to do.
0: <clears throat>
3: I would tell you too. Um, excuse me we'll get right to you Patrick I promise. But I would tell you too, I listen to service advisors and the guy is scheduled for let's say a check engine light and at the counter the, the customer comes in and and you know you always say okay so you're here for this, here's your problem, blah blah blah. Is there anything else going on? And the customer will say, oh, yeah, I've got this rattle in the back of the car and my window doesn't roll up and down all the time and this and this and this. They add three or four things to the job, but the service advisor is not adding that diagnostic time right from the start. So right from the beginning, we're in trouble on the job. Go ahead, Patrick. I'm sorry. I think that's what I was going to say was
1: uh, it's on the service writers to sell the work. That's going to generate the hours. That's going to help the productivity. If the work's not there, then don't give them an unrealistic goal. If the service writer
3: can't sell the work. Now you're you're a general repair shop, Patrick. What Uh, is your hours per car? What's your average repair order in hours? Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah. We're just under three depending on the week. I mean, our efficiency last, last week was 130. The week before was 141, I
3: think. Okay. And then, um, Rocky, you guys are a, a specialty shop. You're a German car, right? European? Yeah, 4.6, I believe. Okay. And I think average of pair order matters too because if we're bringing in a lot of cars at an hour, an hour and a half a car, then I've got to bring in twice the number of cars or three times the number of cars if I'm in a Rocky shop. And that guy has to do three test drives, three sets of paperwork, rack the car three times, etc. So I think, you know, average repair order has something to do with whether or not my technicians can be productive.
2: So for me, okay, so let me let me just spell it out for you. For me, I would rather have less cars than too many cars. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to have a lot of cars. There's a lot of processing. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of lot of everything. Where if I could get one car in and sell three to three grand or thirty five hundred dollars on a car i'd rather do that but i know the reality is different but that's what uh that's ideal for me that would have been so having a lot of cars is not to me it's not a good thing i don't i don't really i don't get jazzed by doing having that or you know uh, by having all that sorry
3: we we had um we had three attack we were at at, uh 3.2 hours a car in my shop. And we tried to schedule three cars per tech, 9.6 hours a day. Um, And then I always wanted one extra car in the mix. So if I had four techs, I wanted 13 cars uh, because I'm a little greedy and I don't want to run short. So I'd rather have a little extra work where I can tell that customer, hey, you know, uh, we weren't able to get your part today. Uh, We're going to keep your car tonight rather than have my guys go home at four o'clock with no work to do.
1: The higher our car count is, the lower our average IRO is. Yeah, and 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 I think Every that... Week, at, without, without fail, if, if that car count creeps up, if something happens and we let it creep up, that average IRO goes down.
3: And I think that's because the service advisor doesn't have the time to build the relationship, build the value for the client. And I think it's because the technician doesn't have time to do that good inspection. And both of those are super important when we talk about productivity, you know, are we finding the work that we need and can we sell that work to our customer? Will they buy it from us? And also, you, Patrick, hope, you, oh, sorry, you hope you sell it and they'll come back
1: for it down the road. I mean, they do, they'll do the inspection. They'll, they'll try and sell all the hours. But because there's so many cars, the service writer will say, you know, we'll get you back for that. And hopefully they come back.
2: I mean, Patrick, uh, you, have, uh, you know, a lot of cars come in and out. You have to process a lot of cars. And at the same time, the hoist goes up and down yeah. three times more. Everything wears out. The technician wears out. Everybody is wearing out. Whereas if you could have and, and it, again, an ideal situation where you could have controlled that number coming in, right? Yeah it will be it would not only the nothing not only everything would wear out easy or evenly, but mm-hmm. also your text wouldn't be worn out, right? Yeah, for sure.
1: In and out, in and out, in and outdoors, up and down, and for sure. There's a lot of
0: shop owners out there that don't feel that they have any control over their car count per day. Well, you do. I mean, when you when you understand
3: your business and you know, and somebody's going to say, "Oh, no, I don't," but you ultimately have the control. Your service advisor can throttle it back or push it forward. You know, um, if you have too many cars, raise raise your price a bit. Um, you know, slow it down. We we got people taking in oil changes where they're losing twenty five bucks an oil change, and taking a guy off a three thousand dollar job, and then wondering why they don't have productivity or profit at the end of the the month. You know, if there there have been so many shops that we have come into that have had, I worked with a tire guy that had sixty five cars a day with an average repair of about one hundred twenty three bucks. And they weren't making money. We slowed it down to 42 cars a day, which still to me is like, oh my God. But at 42 cars, our average operator went up over 400 bucks. And now the shop is making you know millions of dollars worth of, of profit. It actually, it was. They had three locations, and and we we made them, I don't know, in, in the course of the two years I worked with them, we made them about nine million dollars in profit because. We slowed it down. We did better inspections. We built better relationships with the client. We raised the average repair order, which allowed our technicians to be more productive and less
2: stressed. Stop with that $29.99. Jeez, can you stop it? As an industry, can we just
3: stop doing oil changes and just take care of the car like we're supposed to do? that be great. Oh no, but I need oil changes because
0: that's what people come in for. Yeah. Do Do you feel like a lot of this issue is just out of fear i feel like if they're if they're not busy then they're they're not successful
2: well yeah Uh, yeah absolutely it's an emotional thing it's it's not logical it doesn't make sense if you so therefore you know um what is my neighbor going to think if i don't have my parking lot full you know things like that stupid i mean excuse me Utterly unreal stuff. I, I apologize for my wording. Sorry.
0: So okay. no, I feel like I feel like it kind of goes back to a lot of owners were technicians, and what's a technician's mindset when they're working on cars? What is what is them? What is success to them? Or how much uh, can I get done? How much do I have? Uh, uh, job security, right? Yeah. Do I have cars in the wings that are ready to be worked on?
2: Well, and I feel
0: like when you when you shift over to being an owner that doesn't come, that, that carries over and they don't change their perspective on that. I think there's an inherent, an an inherent
3: fear in the industry of, I won't have enough cars, uh, enough customers to make money. And I think the second fear in the industry is if I hold my techs accountable, or if I try to get productivity out of my technicians, then I won't have techs. And I would say that every single technician wants to be productive, wants to be successful. You, we need to help them to be able to do that. Patrick, Any, did, we, did we slow car count down in your shop? We did. Okay, and and was that Not as much as you wanted to? But we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that scary for you? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a scary
1: thing. I mean, when you don't see that schedule full and. We were that shop that pumped out the oil changes. They weren't 29.99, but we pumped them out. People would wait. We don't even have waiters anymore. We don't allow people to wait anymore. We have seven loaner cars, so you take one and go. But we would people we'd have, I think we scheduled them eight, nine, ten, eleven every hour there was an oil change. And as soon as they get in the door, they're looking at their watch and when's it gonna be done? And we were that company. We still you, had
0: the way down. Can you take me to how it felt before like your feelings and and uh, thoughts before you made that change? And then kind of what you're think- what your thoughts and feelings are now? You mean after, You
1: mean when Cecil suggested it? I thought he was out of his mind. <laughs> but after, I realized, I mean, once we started tracking the car count, and the average IRO, and hours per repair on it, it was just a world of difference. A world of difference. It's hard almost immediately. Less stress everywhere. The front counter, out back.
0: The The checkbook. Less stress yeah, on the four, checkbook, three. more money in the account. So, so things that an owner can do is to kind of dial back how many cars we're doing per day, so the tech has more time to inspect, and the service advisor has more time to build value. I, I know, think is,
1: one of the one of the one of the um, questions that my my coach through Cecil Ryan when we were interviewing technicians, one of the questions he had me at uh, he has me I still ask it all the time when I'm interviewing somebody. Would you rather have more cars to work on or more work on less cars? And it's interesting when you ask that question how the technicians, the good technicians, the ones that we end up hiring always answer it the right way. And the other ones are no more cars. Let's get them all in. Let's get them out.
0: Well, you, you got to think that the time to get the car in, rack it, all that, it, it compounds over multiple cars.
3: Sure
1: and this
0: time you're not working. I mean, uh, you talk about having to juggle a bunch of things. If one technician spending more time on one car, there's not going to be a lot of those changes and they can just focus on that one car.
1: And they're not stressed out. The they're are not as stressed, stressed out, out, yeah. About they're in the middle of a timing belt job and there's a 10.30 waiting oil change and we got all the lifts tied up and he's going to have to back something out. and That
2: doesn't happen anymore. Less so, stress. so there's another aspect to this. Um, the way I have taken my business after 33 years or during the thirty-three years, is that um, I, I'm a relationship. Uh, cl- I, I I love to create a relationship with my clients, and I consider myself a very um, service-oriented and very boutique style shop. And if when when you start having too many cars come in there, you're going to cut from all, all all that relationship. It's like you know you're. You have a girlfriend and you can't see him five, for five minutes a week. You know, it's like, what's going to happen, right? So um, the same thing goes with the clients. Uh, I rather spend the time explaining to my clients and and going through the vehicle because I, I am not only trying to be productive, but I'm also setting the future for that client in my shop and, uh, and also the automatic um, referral. That comes out of that because these the uh personal uh attention that that the that client gets is bar none it's doesn't happen anymore patrick you know that it's yeah it's all about hustle up and get going so i'm i'm a, you know productivity for me is very important but also that relationship is very important for me too
3: but i don't think you get productivity if you don't have the relationship. I mean, I think there's a real correlation to that yes. because, you know, I, I love it. You, you have this technician working on, you know, a $2,000 job, timing belt, water pump, whatever, and you pull them off for this oil change while you got a waiter customer or not. And the technician is going to rush through it so they can get back to the job they think is the job that's going to pay more and give them more, you know, return. They don't want to do that oil change. And they're not going to do a good inspection. And then not only are you hurting your company because you're letting dollars slip through your hands, but you're also hurting your client because you didn't really inspect their car. And if something breaks down two weeks from now, I guarantee you that most customers, if not all of them, at least will think, why didn't they tell me about this? Even if they don't hold you accountable, they'll think, why didn't they tell me about this? And, and then you got to bring in another you know, $39, $69 oil change, whatever it is, you know, today, uh, to fill that spot. Instead, let's build the relationship with the client. Kent said, you know, all you know, shops should should slow their car count down. Uh, that's probably true of most shops, but first, make sure you have a good inspection. Make sure your service advisor can build the relationship and have the conversation with the customer. I mean, I mean if you're a 29.99 oil change company or 39 or 49 and you're bringing three cars an hour in to do oil changes and rushing them through your people don't know how to do a good inspection your service advisors probably don't know how to build a good relationship and sell your customer a $5000 job that's not what you do you you rush cars through your shop um your service mm-hmm. advisors don't have the opportunity if that's your business model yeah and it, it's going to hurt you know, it's going to hurt th- you in the pocketbook
2: yeah, on top of that, you know, you're advertising $29.95, $39.95, $49.95, all changes. Who are you attracting? Are you going to be able to sell 4000 dollars to those people? Are you are they, I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you know, you're gonna do it inappropriately, but if they need that work. So the so the the shops that are very, very busy doing 29 dollars 95s they're they're in the business of changing oil. They're not in business of service. They're not in business of automotive repair. Yeah. You know, and they're they're just they're they're just in the business of Jiffy loop. And we already have Jiffy loop. Why do we need to do, you know, I just don't get it.
3: No I'll, I'll, ta- I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll tell you what makes me the, the most crazy as a c- coach consultant, and that is when you go in and you watch service advisors, I mean, they're scheduling so many oil changes that even if you found the work, and even if the customer wanted to do it, you're sending the customer out without doing the work. I mean, I've got shops when we start with them that they have so many cars and so much work that they're not the way they're scheduling. They're not allowing for that work to
0: even be but, done and
3: sold. And but then dad,
0: they're and gonna come back. But dad, they're gonna get it later. Yeah, they're, they're gonna they're get not, the work later.
3: They're not. I'll tell you that that's a that's a stinking thinking thing to put in your head. <laughs> I want I, First of all, if that car needs something, I want my technician to find it. Second of all, I want my service advisor to present it. And third, I want my customer to authorize it. And fourth, I want to get it done when? Not two weeks from now. I've had people drive out of my shop, get in a car accident a block down the street and total their car when they had $3,000 worth of work that I was going to do next Thursday. I had a customer schedule work nice old guy, been a customer for 25 years, didn't show up on the day he was supposed to come in for this $5,800 worth of work, I called. I said, you know, I'm a little worried about Bob because he's not here. And so I said, yeah, he died last night. Okay, I mean, I want the work now. Don't get me wrong. i very sympathetic about Bob passing away. Um, but I if, I, if we had done the work the week before when the car was in, if we had loaner cars, if we had scheduled it right, then I would have had the work done. I'm, I might or might not have known that Bob passed away. Um, she brought the car in later and we did the work because they were going to give it to a granddaughter, et cetera, et cetera. But, but still, I mean, if you let that car out of your shop today, the odds of doing that work drop plus, dramatically.
0: Plus, just to add this on, because I, I, I like the idea of compounding waste, you know, time waste, if you've got to bring the car in twice... That's twice the amount of time that you have to rack the car, inspect the car, get it up there. I mean, and, and what's happened to the car between the first time you inspected it and, and the time that you bring it in for the scheduled appointment? Something could have happened. Who knows?
2: But the, isn't, <coughs> right? that the, isn't that the model to get busy, to be busy? That's you creating that busyness, right? Busy, <laughs> busy is
0: not
3: profitable. <laughs> I think the model is to run a profitable business as defined by whatever I define profit is. For us, that's twenty percent net profit out the bottom. Um, I want to have, in in order to do that, I have to be productive. I have to have technicians that are probably doing at least seven and a half hours a day. Uh, Otherwise, my my costs for labor go up dramatically, and my profits go down. And then I also need the right car count, and and the right car count. Maybe less than what you're currently doing if you did good inspections, if you built good relationships, and if you brought the right customers in your door. Yeah. the The problem with the the thirty nine ninety five, let's say forty nine ninety five. Those are the cheap oil changes today. Thirty nine forty nine. The problem with that customer is that in, but not all of them, but many of them are not going to be loyal to you. And the next time they need something, they're going to look for the next thirty nine ninety five coupon. You know, I, I I would say even a blind dog finds a fire hydrant every once in a while. So if I run cheap oil changes, every once in a while I'm gonna get a good customer come through the door. But the bulk of those people are not gonna be long term clients that, rec, you know, recommend people to us, etc.
0: There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame, they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online with one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community training, A resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. To bring this back, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about has almost nothing to do with the technician themselves, it seems to be everything that management handles to improve productivity. Why is that? Because that's where it
3: really begins and in most shops that's what's holding it back. Uh it, it's funny to me that that most shop owners they they will pay for tech education, they understand my tech needs to keep up with the technology, etc., but many of them will not pay for owner education, manager education and and so You don't have the right systems, processes, procedures in your business, which frustrates your people, actually frustrates your customers and limits the kind of money that you can run through your business and make. And and you need to fix those things in order to, let's let's hire four uh, new technicians if we could. First of all, who's going to find four good technicians today? But let's say that we could and we hired them all. And let's put them out there in the bays, but let's not support them with a good inspection process. Let's have have uh, two oil changes an hour for each guy lined up. Let's bring a bunch of cars through our shop, and let's not do great inspections and raise our average repair order, and see how fast those four good technicians get frustrated and decide that this isn't the place for them. They can't be successful here. Instead, let's bring in two technicians. Let's create a good inspection process. Let's slow it down a little bit. So we have time to build that relationship with the customer. Let's market for top-notch customers. Let's make a shift in our thinking and let's set these guys up to be successful. And then let's see how long they stay pumping out eight to 10 hours a day out of those bays. Go ahead, Rocky.
2: Thank you. So I agree with you that you gotta constantly uh, uh, look at your numbers, look at your productivity numbers. It has to have, it has to happen. But oh, in the end of the year is also where you really need to look at it too. Yes, I did produce certain percentage of productivity this year, but what did I have to do for that? Right? How did I do it? How many how many takes did I have to go through? How many service riders did I have to go through? What did I have to do to get to that? That also is a question that needs to be answered and looked at. So, and if you can, like, in, be, meet in between those two numbers in the longevity of the uh, business, the time that you're calculating this, which is probably 12 months, then, then you're in the right sweet spot. Because I think we're all looking for that sweet spot, right? So am i am I off uh, by saying that?
3: I, I, I think there's a a number that is the right number of cars for your business. There's an average repair order number that's the right average repair order number, and there's a customer that's right for your shop. the The problem that we see from my perspective as a coach and consultant is when we walk in and we ask shop owners, you know, tell me about your profit and loss statement. You know, tell me what your average repair order is. Tell me, you know, they don't even know what those numbers are. They don't look at that. And if you're not paying attention to it, you can't affect change, good or bad. It's what's going to happen. You, it is out of control. You have no control because you're not paying attention and because you're not doing, you know, your energy is in different areas. We've got guys that are spending, I don't know, 10,000 bucks a month on direct mail to bring in a bunch of oil changes and. They're in a, there are hamsters on a wheel. So, you know, I think you're right, Rocky. I think we need to look at the big picture, but I think we also need to have targets that we look at weekly, monthly, and and we need to pay attention to those details so that we can create an environment where we can be successful and our people can be successful. Somebody has to be the
1: captain of the ship. Somebody has to steer it the right way. Somebody has to navigate the course and that's, you got to do it by the numbers. And one of those yeah. numbers is productivity.
3: So before you, you got into coaching and consulting, um, uh, Patrick, did, were you paying attention to those numbers? Or what was your main concern?
1: Uh, I was. I was paying attention to the numbers. We definitely didn't have the productivity we have now. We were running, if you remember, we were probably high 80s, low 90s, which wasn't bad. But we had one of the technicians was consistently 25, 35 hours a week. And then um, Ryan changed the pay plan. All of a sudden, that guy can all, the same guy, same amount of cars, can now do 45, 50 hours a week, because he's getting a, a different pay plan. he was getting an incentive. We had one before, but it wasn't as robust as what we put in. Um, but it was a huge difference before.
3: Okay. I, th- I think it's important <laughs> that, I think it's important that you pay. I don't build pay plans anymore that are flat rate. We don't do that. I also don't build hourly or salaried pay plans. I build a balanced pay plan that's kind of a balance. I call it performance enhanced. And one of my rules is that the bonus has to be enough to change behavior. So if you're going to bonus your guy, you know, two bucks an hour when he hits 40 hours or 50, he doesn't care. But if you're going to pay him another five, that starts, you know, that starts a couple hundred bucks. 800 a thousand a month that's a different story it has to move
1: everything. the needle a little bit yeah yeah because that's what the plan plan was before you know if they hit over 40 hours they get another buck an hour once they went to 50, 45 hours they got an extra 50 dollars a week and there was only one guy out of the four that it really gave him any kind of motivation but once we switched
3: it was like night and day so having the right pay plans. It's funny because when we put these pay plans in place in every shop we've ever put them in place, and that's probably a thousand shops, performance has gone up. Productivity has gone up dramatically 15, 20, 30, 40%. Easy. Um, and you, you would think, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm paying this guy more money. But in effect, you're also bringing more money in. And when you overcome your fixed expenses, there's a lot more money sitting in the pile that can be paid out
1: yeah that's even kind of, though you're paying the payroll goes up it it's offset by the increase in the the net profit that ultimately drops down the bottom i mean once this guy I mean, once they start hitting sixty seventy hours yeah they're making a greater paycheck but the amount of work they're producing i mean that's seventy hours you know it's fifty percent of its parts and you know if you got a sixty percent gp on the pots, it's really dropping down at that
2: point so i think it i think it's Patrick, it, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So uh, Patrick, tell me, do you see more smiles and laughs and uh much more positiveness in your in your shop than before? It's been a great three and a half years, Rocky. Yeah. See, that, really to, is. Me, I mean, that to me is worth billions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're happy. There's nobody, nobody complains out there. The one that we had that was starting to get like that, he fired himself. The other guys kind of like, you know what? We don't want to listen to
2: that. And the kid ended up getting another job and. Yay. <laughs> Yay.
1: <laughs>
3: Thank you. Yep. Thank you for self-terminating. You know, I, I needed you to do that. Um it, see the writing on the walls. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think we want to build that culture in our business of, you know, having fun and enjoying our work. Yep. I mean, I, I don't want to come to work every day, you know, dreading the day ahead of me. And I don't want my people to do that either. So, what other questions you got, Kent? We are—I uh, got more. I can talk forever, but
0: uh, I kind of like this this uh, this trajectory we're going on talking about pay plans, and I really want to get into what what immediate or applicable things can owners start to change or implement. You
2: know, why not flat rate? Uh, what they need to do is fire that lunatic and hire somebody that can do the job.
3: Fire the lunatic. You mean the owner or, or, uh, (laughs) is that what you're talking about? The crazy person in the shop?
2: No, no. No? the owner, the owner.
3: Okay. That's what I was, that's what I thought you were saying, but I wanted to make sure I wanted to clear, um, I, you know, obviously I'm an educator. So I think education is, is one of the keys and, and having done this now for 22 years, and watching guys like Patrick who were stressed when I first met him, who weren't making the kind of money he wanted, you know, uh, there's been so many people that we've helped that they were ready to get out of the business. You know, Tom um, can never remember his last Lambert. name. Lambert. Uh, you know, he was ready to quit and, and get out of the business completely uh, in debt, unhappy. And now he's taken You know, two weeks every every three or four months, and going all over the world with his new wife and enjoying his life and his business
0: is making him, you know, fifty times what it was before. So, so there's a perception that is prevalent in the industry, and I almost feel like, again, we kind of we kind of go back to this. You you want to get your tech trained and uh, on the newest thing, the newest uh, tool, or, or or what have you. But would it be more beneficial? So, say you've, you're presented with two classes that you can have your technician and or business take, right? One would be just the new tech, technology that they can learn that you can maybe start to sell in your shop. And the other would be developing and implementing a workflow process. I, I Which one I, would be more valuable? I, first of all, if you don't
3: have a good workflow process, do that first. Okay? But… I don't think it's an either or today. In today's business, I think you have to have both. The owner really, unless you really, so it's my business. If I really want to be a tech, I should be a tech in my business. But if you're going to be a tech in the business, you have to hire an owner or a manager to be an owner-manager. You have to hire somebody to do that job. It's not like I can be a tech and the owner-manager job doesn't get done. So, so if you want to be a technician in your own business, God bless you. If that makes you happy and that fulfills you, be a tech in your business, but also create your ability to be successful by hiring and training an owner and a manager that can really manage the business. And so I don't think it's either or today. I think you have to do both. And if you're an owner who's going to be a business owner and really own your business and manage your business, those classes are essential. Patrick, how much money do you think, I mean, you paid quite a bit to be consulted with and, and et cetera, and you're, and you're still paying. How, how, how much money have you made based on that? And how much, how much better is your life today, quantitatively, um, than it was three and a half years ago?
1: Well, first with I would have spent twice what I spent. To get where I am today, I would have spent twice what I spent. I should probably shouldn't have said that because you're going to raise your rates, but... Um. <laughs> But I I would, I, so we were, we didn't do bad and we were probably floated around 10 or 11% net. Uh, when, when you came along, uh, we hunted you down and now we're probably 19, 20% consistently before the nine to 10% might've been, you know, it jumped up and down, down to four, up to 10, but now it's pretty consistent at 19%. So I, I would say it was that three times, four times as much Maybe even I couldn't even, I I haven't even put a pen to paper to figure it out, Cecil, but it was the best money that I ever spent. And as far as quality of
3: life, the best money I ever spent. And I I think that's for me, it's more important to have that quality of life than it is to have all the cash in the bank. I mean, obviously, if I have cash in the bank, I'm not worried about paying my bills, then I have better quality of life. But, you know, our, our, mission statement here is, is better business, better life, better industry. And and we believe that if we can help you run your business well, that you'll have a better life. And we have lots of examples of that with guys like you, Patrick. And and frankly, Rocky, you've been to lots of classes I've taught over the years. You never signed up for the big coaching consulting program, but you've, you've been to me, you've done mailing stuff, you've done, I'm sure you've done 10 different guys and you're, you're an education junkie, but I think that's because you understand not only is it profitable for you, but it makes your life better. Right. Absolutely.
2: See, so there's the reality of life is that you can't do everything. And the reality of life is that you don't know everything. (laughs) You'll be lucky if you know, one, 2% of something. So, um, and you need help. Everybody needs help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. There's nothing wrong with asking. The people that are not asking are falling behind. The people that are not admitting to themselves they need help are falling behind. And they're the ones that are going to eventually get tired of what they're doing and just get out of it. And they call it, then they call this business, oh, what a failure. This is a bad business. Don't get in this business, blah, blah, blah. It's like people that own cars and they, they call them pieces of crap because they don't take care of them, right? So it's the same thing. And, and, uh, but once we realize that we are human beings and we need help, then, then it goes up from there. And I think that that's, where the, that's what we need, really need to, to work on ourselves and stop doing everything and ask for it and learn it properly. Do I, it right.
3: I think it's I think it's really um interesting because we're having a conversation about productivity and the lack thereof in your business. I mean, if you have a hundred percent productivity or 95, 97, or 120, um, then you, you don't need this conversation. But if you're a business that's doing 70, 60, uh, 80, you need the you need the conversation and you need the education, not just because it's costing you tens of thousands of dollars a year but because it's costing you life, right? My, my life and it's stressing out my people,
0: which is costing them life. Causes a lot of turnover, causing more stress, more issues because you got to find new techs. More cost. And by the way, new techs aren't out there. Go ahead and yep. try.
3: You know, right now, go out and wouldn't it be m- much better for you if, if you really concentrated on how to make the techs you have successful? You know, I mean, I think if you have a, a turd, you can't fix it. And you need to get rid of them. But if you have guys that want to be successful, who want to do it right, then put your energy into helping them do it right. And it it will pay off in spades on the other side for your business and and your life.
1: Um, Rocky, I think you were dead on that. Nobody nobody knows everything. And the sooner you realize that you can't do everything and the sooner that you realize you need help, the much better off you'll be. So much better. And if you and if you're looking for ideas on how to become more efficient, ask your text. We have a meeting every other Monday, and one of my questions is, "What can we do better? What can we do to help you guys be more efficient?" And I get some of the best ideas from those guys. You know, what if you move this tie machine over here? You know, we didn't have to roll the ties. Something as simple as that can, you, you know, minutes here, five minutes here, two minutes there. They add
2: up. Patrick, I've been in business for 42 years. I've had my shop for 33 years. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I've been involved in this association and industry quite a bit. I've been really deeply in, involved in it. And I can tell you for a fact that I know nothing. <laughs> I, I don't even, can't even <laughs> scratch the surface of it. I'll be the first one to tell you. And, and, not, only not, and, rocky. and not only that though, Patrick, not only that, when, as the times go by, it changes. Things change constantly, right? So if if you tell me that you own your business for thirty years nowadays, that doesn't mean anything anymore. No. Nope. What it what means is how are you handling it now? How have you been doing for the last six months? And what are you going to be doing for next six after six months from now? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to change change the? Um, you know, go with the changes. Yeah. Those are the questions that we need to be asking, the ones that are actually, you know, in that realm. But other yeah. than that, sorry.
3: You know, it, it, it's interesting because we're having the marketing conference. Um, I, I've had conversations with the these marketing people that are going to come in and talk. These are my gurus. These are the, I'm not a marketing genius. I mean, I'm just, a, I know enough to get myself in trouble. And I know enough to say, you, you need to talk to Dan, or you need to talk to Sierra, or, or whatever. What has changed from when we did this just before COVID to now? It's, it's amazing the differences in, in less than two years that have happened in marketing. And you know, there's so many guys out there that are holding the industry back because they're either afraid to get help, or they, 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 they just think they're stuck. And I'm trapped in this job. It's a crappy job. It doesn't pay well. This is a crappy industry. You know, I love the car analogy. Well, that car's a piece of crap. Well, yep. you didn't take care of it. You didn't put energy and time and, and money into it. Well, of course, it's a piece of crap. That's what happens to cars that aren't taken care of. And by the way, that's what happens to businesses that aren't taken care of. And that's what happens to people that aren't taken care of. They don't <laughs> produce. They don't, you know, if they're not managed, if they're left to their own devices, they yep. want to be successful. But with everything holding them back, we're not charging the right price. We're not scheduling correctly. We're not, you know, the our, we have problems with parts and, and all of that. Of course, that's going to be difficult for us. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. It's, we have a problem in our industry in the, in that there's a good 75, 80% that don't get help. And, and they, they, they're not, they're not moving the bit, the industry forward. And, and it it holds the rest back. It's kind of interesting because when you look at statistical data, there's always about 20% that just really get it. And they move forward very quickly. They get the help they need. There's another 50, 60% that they're in the middle. They, they get a little help here and there. They think they can do it themselves, but they're not, they're not, move, you know, they're making the 4% one month and 9% the next. And and you know they're paying their bills and they're they're not hating life uh, and then there's twenty percent that are just hating the world because it's just treating them poorly, but in most cases they could get the information and the knowledge to make it better I mean, even on our gear platform, we have all this free content that you know you want to you want to know what affects productivity there's a great 20 minute little video that you can get for free right gearforshops.com and and uh, it will tell you what affects your productivity and, and things to do.
2: You yeah, know? even effective labor rate, you have it on video. So you got all those in video. Yeah, we got,
0: I think, we, we actually have quality. like hundreds of videos on there. Well, and and probably and too many paper. of them are free. Um,
2: <laughs> but, well, no, I mean, you know, the, your, your, your intent, the main intent that Cecil and you have. Is to elevate the uni- the, the elevate the um, industry. You know that's your, that's your first goal, and the second, what what comes with it as a as a uh, uh, as a uh, basically a, um, a result, a, a gift to you is what you can make out of it, right? So yeah. it's it's all good. It's all it's. I know. I, I mean, I've known Cecil for years. I don't know how mm-hmm. many years? Long, time long,
3: ago. long, 30, 30, 35, something like that. <laughs> yeah. that. Too too long. We're both a little long. too old to be talking about age. So,
2: yeah, Cecil was a part of this association too a long time ago, but he still is. I mean, he still contributes. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Cecil. No, thank you. You guys let me. Well, I think so, the good
1: thing is that people are, the people that are listening to this podcast now, they're obviously dipping their toe in the water. So they're trying to elevate themselves They're starting to think about it. And hopefully this will get them to take the dive in, you know, as they see more of these podcasts. I mean, and it's not just Cecil, there's a ton of them out there. You know, there's Tom Capriotti and a bunch of guys out there that are putting podcasts out. And that's how I found Cecil. So there's, if there's, if they want to improve themselves, they can. And if they're happy with the 80% productivity and, you know, barely making the, the, the rent, being overly stressed, feeling really stressed. I guess that's where they want to be, but they should know if they're listening to this podcast, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you put the effort in and put the time in.
3: I think, I think one of the real keys is when you learn how to schedule and you learn how to um, look cars over and build relationships, your average operator will go up your your profits will go up and your life will get better. And, and the lives of the people that work with you will get better and their families. So, you know, we, we as, as business owners, we have broad reaching effects to the things that we do and we don't do. Um, productivity to me is simple. You know, have the right number of cars, the right customers coming in, make sure you do great inspections, have really good communication processes, estimating, write-ups, um, and, and you're going to sell lots of work and you're going to get lots of work done if you put those things in place that allow your people to be successful.
1: One of the other questions we ask potential technicians when we're, looking, when we're interviewing them is, um, how many hours can you produce, do you think, billable hours? And then the, the follow-up question is, what supports have to be in place, what support system has to be in place for you to achieve that. Mm. And almost all of them, the good ones say, how many lifts will I have if I come here? How many, you know, where is, where, what's the shop layout? They all want to take a tour of the shop. They want to see the shop layout because they want to know if they're going to be successful here. And if you can provide those types of things, and it's just the little things. We have motion sensors on the doors so the techs don't have to get out of the cars when they come in. You know, they, they, they pull up, it opens, and it just, it's just, you know, 30 seconds to come in, pull the car, shut the door, get back in the car, go put it on the rack. But those little those numbers add up. And, and I think potential technicians appreciate that we're, at least I'm looking out for their productivity and their paycheck and their happiness, basically.
3: Let me ask you an, another question here, Patrick. Are your people, your technicians, your service advisors making more money now? than they were three and a half years ago. 100%.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So Patrick, let me ask you something. Do you have a bank of uh, reviews from your employees? You know, I don't. Wow. (laughs) That's a good idea though. (laughs) I'm guessing you do Rocky. No, I don't. I don't fire and hire that many times, but
3: one of, one of the, the things that is becoming important is having your technicians do videos saying, look, this is a great place to work. I have a wonderful place that, you know, it's, it's heated, it's air conditioning. They, they take care of me. They provide lunches. We, they listen to me. You're this, these are the kind of things, you know, uh, we're talking OTT over the, t- over the top advertising. We can, we can geo fence, uh, send our ads into a very specific area. We can look for a very specific type of person and, and we're attracting the best employees using these new methods that just weren't there a year and a half ago, two years ago. So, yeah, I would tell you right now, get get your people on film talking about how great it is to work there and create a, an advertising video for technicians.
0: Obviously once, obviously, once you've created a successful work environment with all the support necessary so that a tech can be successful and productive in your shop. Well, gentlemen, I was going to do final thoughts, but I think you did sum up everything quite well at the end there. Um, I want to thank Rocky and Patrick for being on with us today. Uh, Hang out a little bit after we finish. Um, Those of you out there who are looking to increase your productivity, again, we have a lot of free resources at gearforshops.com, or you can check out our actual home site, wearetheinstitute.com. We've got a just a plethora of, of free content. Check out your local associations because they have some beneficial things there for you as well to help you improve your productivity. Slow it down, de-stress your work environment and start making more profit in your business so that you can have a better life. Thank, thank you very
2: much. You. Thank you for all you guys do. Thank yeah, you. Thank
0: That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by gearedforshops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iforabe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.